The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What is up, Lifehouse? Armand, come on. Are you a little bit excited to be here? Uh, Not for me. For God. I'm, I'm excited and I'm privileged and I'm honored to be able to bring the message to you um, this morning. Uh, I got to say, a little bit of background on me. So when I was a kid, we're in this, we're in this cool nature theme. I love nature. When I was a kid, a lot of kids grow up and they want to be like astronauts or fighter pilots, um, or they want to be doctors or whatever. Like maybe you wanted to be something crazy like that, something cool. I was a nerd and I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, like, I grew up for some weird reason. I don't know why. I just, I loved animals, specifically water creatures, the, like the unknown. It was kind of really cool. That quickly shifted, though, to just zoologist. I was like, no, nah, I want to stay on the ground. Um, <laughs> for one major reason. Uh, like, you may have a fear of heights, those kind of fears. I'm not talking about, like, you know, we, we all have, like, deep fears of, like, hurt and pain. But, I mean, like, like those fears, like, we all have a fear of heights or spiders. I know a lot of people are afraid of spiders. Y'all are just weird. Like, they're just insects. Like, get over it. But I have, my one fear is this. I'm afraid of specifically great white sharks. Don't know why. I just am. Don't be wrong. I think they're majestic creatures. Like, like I think they're amazing. I think it's it's like a humbling that if you're in their territory, like it's up to them whether they want to eat you or not. Like, I think that's kind of it's like a humble awe and fear. Like, if I could go cage diving at one day in my life, I would. I'd be terrified. I'd probably be screaming. Um, but I just have this fear of sharks, and so I was like, mm, I'm probably not going to do that. But here's the thing: I have this like awe of nature. We just saw a video about this octopus that's literally just like, hey, I'm going to have these babies and for six months I will like not even eat a thing. I'll sacrifice my time, everything that like my selfishness, I'll sacrifice it all to make sure that these babies are taken care of to the fact that I might even give my life to fulfill this purpose. And in a way, the reason I love nature is because you can see the designer. The truth is, like, you can see God all over nature. That's why I love this series, and I love, like, this aesthetic and this theme that we have, but, but you can see the design and the purpose in nature to the point where it's like, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little envious to the point where, like, man, like, you, all across nature, you just see these animals fulfilling this specific purpose, almost like they're marked. They're destined. And it's so cool. And the fact is just being like, man, why don't we feel like that? Like, like there's just something about that we have this thing called a consciousness. We're self-aware. But the truth is, I think sometimes we like to use it. I mean, it's cool. Like, it's kind of like our superpower. I get it. Like, within the animal kingdom. But our consciousness, being self-aware, the truth is, it's also kind of a weapon. It causes us to live life selfishly. Because we're self-aware, we're like, well, it's not, you know, it's about me. It's not about anyone else. It's about me. And the truth is, I think we can look at nature and be like, how do they get this more than we do? And so I want to talk about this theme of being marked. Let me ask you this. Are you marked? No response. (laughs) Are you marked? You don't know. Okay, yes. Some people are like, yes, I'm marked. You're like, I'm glad we're talking about this then because the lack of response is like, all right, you're just giving me ammo at this point. So I'm talking about this concept of being marked. 
Let me give you a passage of scripture. This is where we're going to be. We're going to be in Daniel 5. I'm going to be reading this passage of scripture, and here it is. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor, and here's what I want to key in on here. You did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Let's pray for a second. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for this thing that was written thousands and thousands of years ago, but it's so layered. It's so deep. God, that even to this day, you knew us, and you knew that this word would be alive and living within us. So God, I pray you would challenge us by your word, this living word in your precious name. And everyone said, amen. I feel like I'm here to just tell you you are marked. You're marked by God. Do you, do, you, do you believe you're marked by God? Okay, sounds like a maybe. <laughs> sounds like, I don't know. You tell me. And I think this is our problem. Can I say this? If you take anything away from this message, take this away. You are marked by the creator. You are designed and uniquely gifted to fulfill a purpose. And you already have everything you need to fulfill that purpose. You need to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you are marked by God. You're like, okay, okay. But here's the kicker. I don't feel marked. If we could just be honest with ourselves. I don't, I don't feel marked. Truth is, I feel measured. I feel judged. I feel labeled. Oh, you, you put what you need to put in that blank. And I think like, we live life just striving to just measure up. And the truth is, the more we measure up, the more it causes us to live life in a selfish way. If I could just be real, I, I just want to, this is not me complaining, but let me just unpack the last couple months for me. Because I feel like God's really convicted my heart on this. Um, Lauren and I, um, you know, we've got, I've got two kids. I'll get to them later. But basically, we have a house, and that roof started to leak on our house. I don't know if anyone been there. Anyone ever had a leaky roof? Yeah, it's not fun. So, and then you get to the realization of like, oh, the roof's pretty old. It wasn't installed correctly by, by the previous owners. And so we had to replace our entire roof. That is a huge financial thing. And if you're quick to view it, it's like, yeah, but man, it's like equity in your home. I'm not quick to view it that way. <laughs> and so, like, Lauren and I had to figure out, like, I'm not getting up on that roof. Like, I'll, I'm too big. I'll fall through the roof. Like, so paying for someone to redo your roof, that's a big expense, especially a big event because I'm a little envious of people that live in two-story homes because your roof isn't quite as big. It's just science. Um, I live in a one-story home. It's just all roof. That's basically all it is. And I'm like, well, you know, that, that stinks. And so we had to replace this roof. That's a huge, that's probably the biggest financial thing that my wife and I have ever had to walk through. We tried to live on less, to give more. We try and have a savings. We try and be really smart. We don't have like debt outside of our house in one car. Like we try and live financially really smart. So it's the biggest thing we've ever had to do. On top of that, Lauren's car has been having problems. Like anyone have car problems? Like anybody, like you just know the struggle, right? The struggle's real. We had to get a fuel pump replaced, all the fuel lines, and then we got the car back. And then the next day, like all of the cylinders on the other side of the car wouldn't fire. And so like, I cannot tell you I've had my car at the Chevy dealership, I don't know how many times. And it's frustrating. So there's these two big things. And then you add on top of that, back to my kids, I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. They're both boys. 
if you have boys, like, you already know what I'm getting at. They destroy your home. Um, <laughs> they are home destroyers. Uh, on top of that, my two-year-old, Aiden, he's being potty trained. So what does that mean? That means there's pee everywhere. Like, I, like... I'm not, literally, I'm not joking. This happened last night. This is not a joke at all. I get in bed, and I pull the sheets up, and I go, (laughs) I go, babe, smell this. What is this? And she goes, that's pee. (laughs) So, like, uh, literally, like, take all the sheets off. Like, so there's pee everywhere. They're boys. It's crazy. On top of that, I've, I, I'm a little weird to say this. I'm 31, but I had the first hangnail ever in my life. Like, (laughs) I know, it's a little weird. And then it got infected, and I'm not, I thought I was going to lose my thumb. I'm not even joking you. This, it was the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life. I could look at my thumb. It would ooze pus. It was, it was gross, disgusting. I can show you later. It's healing. It's good now, but it's really gross. Um, so like, I, like that on top of everything, do you realize how much you use your thumb? Like you just put your hand in your pocket and you're like, I forgot my thumb's falling off. Like on top of everything else. And here's, here's the funny one too. I went like three weeks where like my phone, I had like an old iPhone 6. It just stopped working. Um, it would shut off. It randomly get caught in this like loop thing and the whole like battery, we replaced the battery, whatever. And so my wife and I were like, well, you got to have a phone. Like you got you to gotta be able to use that. And so we're like, all right, we're looking for new phones. I was like, I'm... New iPhones are really expensive. More power to you if you have one. So, guys, I had to switch to Android. <laughs> I had to switch. I had to, like, literally, here it is. I had to switch to Android because basically I could get it for really cheap. Um, so pray for me. And I think it's really funny that, like, you think the hardest one that hurts is the iPhone the most. Like, shame on you. I explained all these other things. And you're like, wow, I feel you on that one, bro. That one hurts really bad. <laughs> But here's the truth. Doesn't it seem like that's how things go, right? That's been like my last two months. And you may be sitting here and be like, man, that's a walk in the park compared to what I'm walking through. And, and I fully, I understand that and I get that. I'm not vain enough to know that like my struggles are the only struggles. That you may be struggling with something. You may have a deep hurt, a deep pain, a loss. But doesn't it seem like that's how it always goes? There's these big things in our lives. But surrounded by these big things, there's all these little things that just agitate us. And the truth is, like, all of these things, because of the conflict and the struggles in our lives, it causes us to just be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm done, and I'm just going to look out for myself. Who cares about anyone else? I'm just in it for me. And I'm just going to live life the way I want to live it, because I feel like I'm being measured. I feel like I'm being judged. Have you ever been to the place where literally, like, you've been like, God, what are you doing? Yeah, come on, we can be honest with one another. God, what are you doing? What are you up to? Like, should I be should I be doing something differently? Am I doing something wrong? I, is there a lesson that I should be learning here? Like, what in the world is going on with my life? And all of a sudden, everything becomes inward focused. And it's just like I'm I'm just going to look out for myself. And this is life. And this mentality causes us to be jealous. We start looking at other people and we start saying, man, why, why don't, they don't have to struggle like I'm struggling. They don't, they don't have these financial burdens. They don't have to walk through this. They don't have to do this, that, that. And all of a sudden we get angry and we get defensive. And I tell you what, you look at social media right now, you look at the world right now, and it is clear this is how we live. And I hope that we can be honest with ourselves and say, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of how I live too. So let's go back to the scripture again. Daniel 5, 23. You 
praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. I'm so thankful for scripture. I don't know about you, man. I'm thankful for scripture that in these moments, we have someone that we can turn to and we can look and say, all right, what do I need to do? What are the steps that I need to take? And we're in this story, we're in the story of Daniel, and Daniel's going to be our protagonist, but let me, let me unpack a little bit of what's going on here in this story. So we have King Belshazzar, Belshazzar, right? So that's the, that's the first and last time I'm going to say it. From now on, he's King B, all right? Because I just don't feel like saying Belshazzar for the rest of the day. So we have King B, and King B inherited his kingdom of Babylon from his father, and, and his, his, he was the son-in-law of King Nebuchadnezzar, and we've been learning a lot about this kind of story in this series. But basically, along with the kingdom, King B inherited wealth, fame, power, status, you name it. He had it, but here's the, here's the kicker. He did not he did not earn it. He just inherited it. Truth is, he didn't learn the lessons in the process of getting it. He didn't have to fight for it. Like he didn't learn the lessons that were necessary to be able to take the responsibility of power and wealth and fame. And so you have the kingdom of Babylon that is basically being run by King B, and it is just falling apart because he doesn't know how to rule. And, and as he rules, basically what he's doing is he's living it up. So as people are suffering in his kingdom, he is literally partying. That's what he's doing. And so we read in scripture, he throws a banquet to honor himself. And he invites all of his friends and those in high standing within the kingdom. And he throws this banquet. And in the middle of the banquet, they're partying. They're living it up. And he says, you know what? Go get those sacred vessels that, that my grandfather took from Jerusalem. The vessels that came from the temple of God in Jerusalem. Go get those vessels so we can drink out of them and we can party in a way mocking, mocking God and mocking the Jewish people. And all, already you can tell, like, yeah, this guy's getting struck by lightning. Like, right? Like, one of those moments. Like, ooh. And here's what happens. In the middle of the banquet, something really weird happens. A big, gigantic hand, yep, a big, gigantic hand appears out of nowhere and just begins writing on the wall. Not like, not like an arm, just a big hand. Not like my hand. My hand's not big enough. A gigantic hand writing words on a wall. Obviously, I think we would too. Everyone's freaking out. <laughs> and King B's losing it. Scripture says his knees are knocking together. Like he, he's freaked out. And eventually, like, no one knows what the writing means. And eventually the queen says, hey, go get this Daniel guy, because I think he would know how to interpret it. All right. So this is what happens. They go and get Daniel. We can read about it here in Daniel 5, 24 through 20. It says this, Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. All right, spoiler warning. The next day, King B is killed, and his kingdom is divided, given to the Medes and the Persians. All right, so this scripture, this, this story, like, God is literally, what he's saying here is like, look, the selfish kingdoms and empires will not and cannot stand against God. 
They never will. And the truth is, King B should have known better. King B should have learned from the father figures in his life because King Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, he, he ruled this way too. And the truth is, there's a, there's a story in scripture where God says, all right, King Nebuchadnezzar, you want to live like this, I'm going to send you out into the wilderness and you're going to live like an animal until you can bow down and humble yourself before me and claim that I'm God and the only God. It took him seven years. Seven years. King B should have known better. All right, so this sets up King B. Now let's set up Daniel, our protagonist. Little little background on Daniel. Daniel was a Jew. So this is Old Testament. Daniel was a Jew. He is one of God's chosen people. You could say, clearly, Daniel was marked. But a little, little bit of a background more, though. So here we have Daniel in the kingdom of Babylon. So Babylon comes in, they take over Jerusalem, and they take a ton of the Israelites, and they bring them into exile into Babylon. And so you have Daniel, who's not in his hometown, and he's in exile in Babylon. So what he would have and own, his possessions, are only the things that Babylonian rulers would have given him. All right, so now we can keep reading dive back into our story. So when it came time to know the writing on the wall, eventually it said, hey, I think Daniel might know. This is what it says, Daniel 5.12. It says, call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. Seems like, okay, no brainer. But let me unpack this a little bit more. Like, go back one more. How would, how? There's something about this Daniel guy. The fact that when the writings are on the wall and no one knows what it is, and the king's like, he has all his wise men and fortune tellers come, and they're like, I don't know. To spark in someone's brain to say, wait a second, Daniel, he'll know. Daniel will straight up tell you what this means. There is something about this Daniel guy that he knows what's going on here. And so we can keep reading. I have heard that the spirit... You're getting there. Yep, right? I've heard that the spirit of the gods, maybe get rid of the S. I've heard the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. Here's the thing. Daniel knows what King B is getting out here. Daniel knows the spirit of the God is in you. He's giving you insight, wisdom, intelligence, Daniel can connect the dots, but we have to ask ourselves, are there people in your life that are able to look at you and say, there is something different about you by the way that you live? They may not understand it, but they're like, man, there's something different about you because there was something different about this Daniel guy. People have heard it and they've seen it. And so would they ask the same thing about us? The story goes on that King B promises Daniel wealth and power and status. He's literally saying, like, I'm going to make you rich if you can read these writings. I'm going to make you third in command. Put yourself in that position. An exile to third in command. But this is Daniel's response. And then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king. Nevertheless, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you. I'll read for the king and tell him what it means. Oh, king, the most high God. Think about Daniel being in exile in this foreign land. He had every right, every right 
to say, I ain't helping you. What have you done for me? You've taken me home. You've taken me away from my home and my friends and my family and everything that I love. What have you done for me? Why in the world am I going to help you deal with it yourself? He had every right, yet here he is and says, I, you know, I'll, I'll serve. I just want to serve. I don't want your gifts. I don't want, I don't want the titles. I don't want to rule. I, I just want to, I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to make sure that you know who I'm serving. Daniel desired to make God famous. That In his moment of spotlight, the only reason he had a moment in the spotlight is because he lived the way he did outside of the spotlight. And so who is saying to us, man, what do you have that I don't? So back to this concept, what does it mean to be marked? What does that even mean? Well, let's look at Daniel. What did it mean for Daniel to be marked? Well, it meant simply the fact that Daniel was living in an exiled land. He was a foreigner, frankly, a nobody. And we can sit here and we can say like, oh, Daniel was chosen by God. He had a close relationship to him and he was just more faithful than I'll ever be. Okay. Like there's a lens kind of we can have that, but you know what it was? No, it was Daniel's response to his situation that caused people to say, there is something different about you. It was the way that he interacted with people. It was the way that he was like, I'm just here to serve in an exiled foreign land. I'm here to serve the king of the kingdom that I am literally probably a slave in. Can I say it is your response to the struggles and the conflict and the hardships of your life that cause people to say, there's something different about you. It's how you respond. Because, man, I feel like I was convicted over the past two months where God was like, if you respond the same exact way as the world responds, you're no different. And that doesn't make me better. God's just saying, you are robbing yourself from opportunities to make my name known. If we're reacting on social media or in life, if I would have walked into the Chevy dealership and be like, 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 I'm no different, I'm no better. There is literally nothing different about me. And then I have to question, is the spirit of the living God even within me? It's your reaction to the struggles and the hardship of life that causes people to question, man, what is different about you? And so we can see how Daniel was marked. But let's look to our heavenly father figure. Man, if you could say that anyone was marked, it was Jesus Christ. Right? Man, if anyone was marked with a purpose and a plan, it was Jesus Christ. But stop for a moment and think, what was Jesus' mark? Sacrifice. God's sacrifice was his son. Jesus' sacrifice was the sacrifice itself. Let's say this, and this is my one main point this morning. You and I are marked by sacrifice. You want to know what that mark means? It means you're marked by sacrifice. And the example of our Heavenly Father took, the fact is, this this self-awareness, this selfishness, wanting to live only for ourselves and say, I'm going to take care of myself, and it doesn't matter what have you done for me, you haven't helped me at all. Like, this kind of attitude, it's, it's a nature within us, which is natural, but it's a nature within us called sin. And God saw our problem. 
And he says, no, I'm not going to leave you there. Because sin, it has a desire to just separate us from God. And so God says, you know what? I'm marked by sacrifice because I will send my one and only son who will live a perfect life, who does not deserve death. The truth is we deserve death. He doesn't deserve it, but yet he'll go to a cross and he will die for you. He will die for me. He will die for the sins of all mankind, past, present, future. The cross and the sacrifice on the cross is an active thing. It is still happening to this day. And Jesus says, I'll willingly take that burden. I'll take it. I'll go to the cross for you. I'll step into your place. I'll take the punishment. And now you go live. (laughs) Our lives should be marked by this sacrificial giving. Marked by sacrifice. So what does this look like? The truth is you have gifts, you have talents. I said at the beginning of the message, like if you're just here to hear one thing, I hope it's this, that you are designed and crafted and created by a loving God that made you in such a unique way to fulfill a purpose. And you need to believe that. And and whether or not you want to believe me or not, you can believe scripture. It says it in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, come on. We're his workmanship. Do you believe that you're his workmanship? You're crafted and you are perfect in the eyes of your heavenly father. And he knew beforehand. You know what that means? Before you were even born, God was like, man, I have this person in mind. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to make this person. And to see them fulfill their purpose and their plan, man, man, to just walk in them. Man, walk in this purpose and this plan. You are marked. Daniel was marked. The truth is we can read about it even more in Daniel 1. It says this. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. We've already seen how that comes into play. Man, Daniel was marked. He had a purpose and a plan, and so are you. You know, this is kind of my own personal story, too. I can remember a night in my room when I was 17. And and I grew up a pastor's kid, um, and so I probably dedicated my life to Jesus more times than I can count. Right? Like, you'd be like, man, I need Jesus again. I know. Like, pastor kids are the worst. Um, (laughs) But I remember a night in my room at 17 where the truth is, like, God has wired me for music. I love music. I love writing music. I love playing music. And the truth is, I was using all of those gifts and those talents that God put within me for my own selfish gain and selfish ambitions. And I came to this point where I knew, like, man, these things will take me down a road I do not, I know I don't want to go down. Into a scene in places that I knew I shouldn't be. And I came to this moment, I remember being 17 on a Saturday night in my room, and I didn't audibly hear the voice of God, but I just heard, I kind of felt God say this, what are you doing? Right? Have you ever felt like God has just, like, biffed you? Like, God's just like, what are you doing? And then this, how's it working out for you? (laughs) 
too good, God. And I could go into more depth, I'll save you the time, but it's just that moment where I realized, man, I need to start using all of these things for God and his kingdom. And God writes the rest of the story. Like, I'm telling you, God put a call of worship on my life. That led me to my wife. That led me to my family, my kids. That led me to, to this church that I love. And when I say church, I mean people that I love so dear. And God writes the rest of the story. And I feel like in my life, he keeps reminding of me of that moment when I was 17. Be like, bro, that's what it's all about. Just recognize. And so I, I just want to share for a second what you have. These are things that you have. And the first is you have gifts. Every single one of you have gifts. And gifts are deeply spiritual things. Like maybe you've got the gift of mercy. Like mercy to you just, it just, man, it's who you are. Man, I'm all about just extending mercy and grace to people. And like, here's a funny thing. Like maybe in a marriage you need to figure this out. Like I, like I have the gift of mercy. My wife has the gift of judgment. She's probably in here and she's like, oh, great, here you go. So like, you know, <laughs> like we argue. We're just real. We're, hey, babe. Uh, we're just, <laughs> you know, we have intense fellowship. You know, we're real people too. Um. Where the truth is, like, I'm mercy, and so what I'm looking for is, a, is an apology. But she's kind of judgment. What she's looking for is, like, give me your list of things you're going to do to make this right. And there's nothing wrong with those things. The truth is, like, and I've had to learn. I've had to learn. She's wired that way. And so what I need to give her is not me just saying, like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, babe. And then she's like, you're just trying to end the argument. Like, like what I need to give her is, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I know what I've done wrong. This is what I'm going to do. And then basically, like, I, because I'm mercy, I'm just like, I don't really need the list. I, I just want, like, a heartfelt apology. So there's these gifts that you have that you're naturally wired toward and gifted to. They're deeply spiritual things. And the only thing that I could tell you is, like, there's spiritual gifts and all this kind of stuff. I could point you to, like, our life track with Pastor Kurt. Go through that. Like, if you haven't, man, it's such an awesome thing. But you learn more about your spiritual gifts. But research this. Dive into Scripture. Get to know how you're wired this way. Your natural spiritual abilities. Secondly is this, you have talents. Have you ever wondered like, man, I can just so easily pick up on things. Like, I just have this talent to just naturally know how to do this. It's for a reason. <laughs> it's for a purpose. You're just naturally talented in areas of your life. So figure those things out. You have skills. What are skills? Skills are things that you've taken the time. You've gotten education. You've had to learn them. So you have skills, things that you know because you've spent time learning things. All right, we're going to get a little deeper here, all right? You have money. Maybe some of you feel like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, some more than others. Absolutely. Can I say this? Money is a resource. It's just a resource. If anything, I feel like the life lessons my wife and I have been learning over the past two months, it's a resource. And trust me, when I say this, I'm saying it to myself. When it comes to this, you either trust God or you don't. <laughs> trust me, I feel that just as much as you. You either trust God or you don't. You either give back to what God has graciously given you or you don't. And I'm telling you, this isn't a thing where like, I trust him this month, but I, but I can't trust him this month. No, you can't. You either trust or you don't. Lastly, you have time. Man, it's the most valuable resource because here's what you do. You take your gifts, your talents, your skills, and your money, and you pour it into people. I've tried to make it a point to say, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, how are you? And we're like, man, I'm just busy. I've tried to make it a point to not say that in my life anymore because I feel like it's robbing God of this. 
the truth is I'm, I'm not so busy. I'm just, I'm just not making time. I can make time. You make time for your kids. You make time for your families. You make time for your neighbors, the people around you, the people that you're living in community with. You use all of these things and you put it into here. And I'm going to throw this one in there too. You might be like, oh, it's just because you're a youth pastor. No, 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 this is, this is how we should operate. You do all these things and you do all these things for the next generation. <laughs> for the next generation, the people that are coming up behind you, they need to know the lessons that you have learned. They need to know where to not step and fall into a trap. You need to give them all of this. Lastly, it's this. It's how, not how much. It's how, not how much. Like, like you can even look at this and you can start measuring yourself with other people. <laughs> Don't. Don't you dare. It's how you use it. It's how you're using all of these things, not how much that you have. Because here's what happened. Here's the process. This is the church. Jesus goes on to say this. And this is Mark 10, 29, and, and, and they can bring it up a screen. Jesus said, mark my words, no one who sacrifices because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times, but also in troubles. Ooh. <laughs> right? <laughs> that one hurts a little bit. <laughs> and then the bonus of eternal life. That's what we're working towards, eternal life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, you're called, you're marked by sacrifice. You're called to sacrifice those things. Like that is our life. That is the church. That is who we are destined to be. You're marked by sacrifice. And so when you sacrifice, when you say, all right, God, I'm going to give those things to you. Everything that I have, it's not mine. It's yours. When I give those things, God's going to say, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply that blessing. You're going to have even more than what you ever thought you could. But, oh, but then troubles. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some more troubles. That's a weird thing to say, right? We like the blessings. We're like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> but God's going to give you troubles. Why? Because it's in the troubles where people say, man, there's something different about you. Why did you respond that way? Why did you respond with grace, with love and mercy and not judgment? Oh, let me tell you why. And the church was designed to work this way. One more passage of scripture. I know I'm going over time. I'm sorry. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. This was the original design of the church, and can I tell you, it has not changed. So we have to ask, how are we using our gifts, our talents, our skills, our money, and our time? How are you using them? And are you sacrificing them for the greater good of God's kingdom? Can I pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, the fact that your word challenges us. God, it even convicts us. So God, I pray in this moment, God, would you do just that? Would you challenge our hearts? Would you challenge our minds? Would you convict where you need to convict? God, I'm saying myself too, myself included. God, show us 
God, show us the gifts that we have, the, the talents, the skills, dear Jesus, God, the money, the resource, God, the time that we have. Show us those things so that we can say, God, I've seen them. I recognize them. God, I know that I am marked by the creator of all things, that I'm crafted and created with a purpose and a destiny, God, and I see those things now. But God, I'm giving them back to you. God, because I recognize where they come from. So God, show me where I can begin to use them. God, give me the boldness to say, give me opportunities. God, even today, this week, give me opportunities to share and show those things with those around me. God, challenge and convict us right now in this moment in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.